Hello and welcome to episode 81 of Unfunny Nerd Tangent and our review of Stranger Things 3. My name is Greg, aka Captain Boomerang, taking a break from chilling out with Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles to go beyond the Thunderdome and host this extra special second sequel show. With me today is a collection of three cool savvy misfits ready to make or break their franchises with a dreaded third coming. Joining us fresh from the Battle of the Five Armies with the rest of Ocean's 13, our first guest has put down his glass to take an early Christmas vacation. Now at the world's end, this red dragon ditched his American wedding, kicked a hornet's nest with a Tokyo Drift and travelled back to feudal Japan with the Ninja Turtles. He wants us to call him Will the Wise, but we all refuse to until he's actually seen the Goonies. And being that his name starts with B, he's not guaranteed to survive this episode. Jeez. Look who's talking now. It's Pipe Bomb Brian Gregston. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> nice, nice try, but I'm not going to watch the fucking Goonies. <laughs> Such a good movie! <laughs> okay, this little fucker's civil war soon became an infinity war with the rise of the machines, which led to a born ultimatum. He replaced the T-Rex with the Spinosaurus, returned with the Jedi and the King, helped get revenge for the Sith, and one day hopes to celebrate Ragnarok by skipping Jaws 3D. He also cast his daughter in the third movie of his Godfather trilogy and helped the Muppets take Manhattan, all the while battling Clubber Lang and Thunderlips. He's the mayor of Reseda and also its newest hottest lifeguard. Oh, hang on. Sorry. That's a typo. It says assistant to the hottest lifeguard. (laughs) (laughs) He's 50 shades freed and the only one of us that didn't have to look up the word parabellum. He once returned to Beverly Hills to discover Judge Reinhold was the new police captain. And having defended his All-Valley Karate Championship against a bully coached by a once-thought-dead John Kreese, he used his locomotive to return to 1985, start a Matrix revolution that turned into a Skyfall and ended with a war for the Planet of the Apes. Returning to the show and the Steel Cage Podcast Network, it's the man occasionally known as the Beast from the Middle East. He's the one who knows Plank's constant off by heart, the one and only Daryl Johnson. Jesus, you've already mentioned like 25 of these movies. I didn't know there were this many three equals. <laughs> I just kept turning up in my search. <laughs> and, uh, and, and with Daryl, while she was back in training at the police academy with the Highlander Sorcerer, she travelled back in time to save a young Tommy Lee Jones who somehow looked like Josh Brolin. She eventually gave up her outstanding career as a piston cup racer to become a trainer saved Tony Stark from a fake Mandarin, and then switched from movies to TV, where she killed Mr. Echo, flew Henry Blake's plane, and catered the Red Wedding. She's here to scoop ice cream, beat you at Dig Dug, and then dump your ass. We welcome friend of the show, Foz. No matter much else to say, really. (laughs) (laughs) So then uh, that leaves us with my regular co-hosts and aunt brothers. Firstly, a man who can't decide between his gold finger and his gold member choosing to kill off both Hicks and Newt to brave the dark of the moon 
take a last stand with the X-Men and die hard with a vengeance. He's chased Amy with his army of darkness while braving the season of the witch to avoid the day of the dead. He's the good, the bad, and the ugly, and his truly is a never-ending story. So don't let him borrow your horse. He's the super Jew, Jared Rabinovitz. I think I need a nice chi and tea to go with this podcast. Can I, can I get a chi and tea? I, I got one here. Me too. Ed finally, once upon a time in Mexico, this former prisoner of Azkaban once fought off Venom and the Sandman, daring to lead his dream warriors on a last crusade to search for Spock. Along the way, he stopped over at Sunnyside Daycare, added Rene Russo to his buddy cop formula, and soon found both sides of his personality fighting each other in a junkyard. His Batman is forever, his Dark Knight rises, and he always leaves his back door open three inches. From attackofthedad.com, he's Tim Argnick. Uh, I just want to know that I got I got in David Harbour shape for this podcast. <laughs> wait, wait. He, he leaves his back door open three inches. Is he, is he the goatsy guy? <laughs> Don't ask questions. Don't ask questions. That's all right. The answer all right, is well, yes. Yes, he is. <laughs> all right. Well, since it's been more than a year since the last Stranger Things uh, series, it, it's been abundantly clear, to me at least, from the instant we first see them, that the kids aren't necessarily little kids anymore. So, Daryl, since you've been away for almost as long as Stranger Things has, I'll let you go Ooh. first. Uh, how did the development of the kids, now that then, like I said, they're not so little kids, play into your enjoyment of the new season? Were you like Will and sort of wished things stayed the same, or are you more like Mike and ready to move on to new things? I, I guess I'm more like Mike. I, I can appreciate the children age, <laughs> um, and and I mean, as as annoyed I was at the scenes of Eleven and Mike making out, and that. It, it, although it was pretty accurate at how bad of kissers we were when we were 15 years old, um, overall I'm I'm pleased. <laughs> right. Well, I just I was speaking to the kids growing up though. Like you said, it does show Mike and Eleven or L as they're referring to her this season. Uh, they're sort of in their official romance, I guess, which sort of brings meddling attention from from Hopper who wants to break him up and and Max who's just kind of stirring the pot and trying to help Eleven become more of a, a normal 80s teenager. Uh, I'm just wondering, Tim, like the first few episodes don't deal a lot with the supernatural side of things. Um, do you like how the, the season begins, like sort of establishes the, the new status quo before we dive into the all the sort of weird stuff? Oh, yeah, I liked it a lot. And it's some of the best uh, 80s nostalgia that we've gotten out of the entire series, which has always been yes. uh, uh, you know, such an enjoyable part of it. Um, but on top of that, it was just kind of a nice a nice way of sort of reshuffling the characters. I thought it made a lot of sense for Max to kind of to kind of be that one stirring the pot because I think she – you see her just sort of be in this situation where it's just all boys all the time and she's kind of tired of their bullshit and just happy that, like, she and Eleven can be friends and do girl stuff for once. What about you guys? Um, Derek, how do you feel about it being set up like this? I have never felt closer to a character than I did with Hopper when he was going out of his fucking mind with with <laughs> L being in the room making out with a boy. Like that's that's too real for me because what do you do <laughs> as a parent, right? Like if they're just especially when your daughter has supernatural fucking powers and could smash you against the wall, like how do you stop that? And and I don't know. I think I think the thing about it there is, you know, he really takes L under him as 
of daughter, you know, and, and, uh, you know, he protects her. That's illustrated in the first few episodes of, you know, or, or basically everything that he went through in season two, I guess you could say. And now here we are where not only is this boy in his cabin, but making out with 11 and, you know, it, it, as a parent, it sucks because you, you do go through that phase with your child where you <laughs> don't want to tell them what to do or forbid them from seeing people, but you don't really know what to do, you know? Uh, and I, I think that was, that was a big part of what they were showing. You know, like you said, they, they aren't kids anymore. So this is a completely different thing, not to mention, uh, you know, the, the underlying danger just in general for, for watching over her and everything that she as a person is, but then you have to deal with this normal, you know, teenager kind of drama, this growing up and, and boys and wanting to go to the mall and all of that. Like it, I, I thought they did an exceptional job of like telling that story of, of Hopper being her dad and trying to watch over her, but then her being a normal kid, you know, and, and try, trying to be a normal kid, you know, it's, it, it, it was very, it, it meshed together very well with season two, I thought. And Jared, like I, we got Max and Lucas still seem to be like an item and, and same goes for, for Nancy and Jonathan. And, and I mean, it, this sort of splits the characters up a bit early on. You got Dustin away on camp and he comes back and obviously Steve's working at the ice cream parlor inside the, the mall, uh, which the mall itself almost becomes a character in the season. Like any sort of uh, thoughts on exactly how they, they split everyone up only to sort of bring them back later. I thought it made sense because one of the things that I was actually big fan of is that it they didn't go back to just L and Will mattering so much. It, and I thought it, it, it was a really good thing to be able to split them up and get those other interactions. It's also, you know, it fits with the age and kind of what happens, you know, where start splitting off it with boyfriend, girlfriend, stuff like that. It, it, it kind of changes dynamics. You know, they, and they kind of set the tone for that really well early in like the first episode when Dustin's coming back and he's on the radio trying to call all of them. And his mom's like, you've been gone for a month. Things have changed. And, and like they, it really, it, it kind of quickly set that tone that there was going to be some dynamic shifts. And, and it just worked throughout that, that they had those change dynamics. They, they used that early teen stuff to, to get some play, you know, with um, L and, and Mike breaking up and, and that whole thing and just how the girls against the boys and then how, how it splits their friendships and they're, they're all trying to figure each other out and what they're doing and everybody's totally wrong as per usual uh, at that age. I just thought it worked really well. And then, yeah, having Steve at the ice cream shop, that gave him a different, different setting and, um, I, I can't remember her name right now. Um, what's the girl? Robin. 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 Yeah. And, and I thought it was great that pairing because the, the whole sexual tension and I, I wasn't sure what was going to happen there. I thought he was going to fall for her and she was going to reject him um, early, but the way right. they did it was better. Like, a twist. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they added just that little twist to it. So they, they did a good job with that stuff this season. And it made it seem like they got a little further away from all the supernatural elements and the chase. And it was more the character stuff a, a lot of this season. And I like that because that's where this show's kind of shined a lot is in those character moments. 
Not to mention the fact they didn't bring everybody back together until the final episode of the season. Right. Mm. Like that's the first time in the final episode that the entire group is back together. And and I thought that kind of was very indicative of the stories that they told that season, everybody branching off and going in their own way, but everything coming back together in, in, in the end. Yeah, well, yeah, and I, I thought it was pretty clever that <clears throat> they all had related storylines that were different enough that they wouldn't have been able to figure out that it was all connected until the very end. I kind of appreciated that, where, like, Hopper and Joyce are trying to win the Cold War, and <laughs> meanwhile, the kids are fighting different monsters. You know, I, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, none of them seemed to be aware of each other's own little separate adventure. It was kind of like, well, we're, we're, we're saving the world, and then the other everyone else kind of saw this, thought the same thing at the same time, mm-hmm. which is yeah, which is pretty cool, which a lot of uh, shows have done recently, like, I mean, the first one pops up in my head is like Game of Thrones. Like there is a whole years where characters have never met and things like that. So it was only the later seasons where they started to cross over. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just going to say it. I thought Mike was a little prick in this early on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just, yeah. Somebody fucking said it. Just Thank you straight for up calling Hopper a Straight up calling Hopper a piece of shit. I was waiting for Hopper to just drop him with an old fashioned eighties oh, back. Yeah. It was like that. <laughs> Hopper deserves like, all the awards for restraining himself in that truck without whooping that boy's ass. I would have whooped the shit out of that boy's ass. <laughs> I'm He's the chief for, of police. We're, we're a couple Who's going to stop him? We're, wait, we're a couple years from Derek coming back on. Remember how I said that thing about Hopper beating that boy's ass? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't do it when it had to. <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll be doing Derek and Timmy <laughs> prison snacks. <laughs> That's, That's a whole <laughs> different category of video. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> New Patreon, give, give Derek money for the commissary. <laughs> he tries every noodle. <laughs> Derek, I'll be playing a game with myself called How Many Cigarettes Can I Shove Up My Ass to Sneak Into Derek? Oh. <laughs> That's friendship. That's friendship. Playing a game like that, I appreciate But if you piss me off, I'm not going to put them in a baggie first. Oh, well, <laughs> Just remember, three inch minimum. <laughs> I'm not going to be smoking them. Those are currency. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I I did like having said that. I did like the character growth that we got with um with Mike and and uh, and L because like you get Mike sort of being afraid to lose L- Eleven again and all this sort of stuff. And I thought that was handled pretty well. But um, I also like the fact that this season didn't just boil down to Eleven. Like, we just have to get Eleven there, and she'll just stand there with her hand like fucking Jean Grey and bleed from the nose, and that'll be the end of it. Like, that'll solve all the problems. It was like, no, there's, there's, it's not working this time. You need to do something else. So that was I, cool. I, I wasn't on this for the Stranger Things 2 podcast, so I don't know the, the way that everyone felt, but what was that the feeling about Season 2? Because I liked Season 2, and I watched it uh, kind of back-to-back with Season 3. So for me, they kind of came together as one and I thought they did so nicely, but I I know a lot of people weren't as big of fans of season two. So was essentially that the thing, the fact that that's what you're waiting for all season. And then she shows up and does it a a little bit. I think if I can remember correctly, I think we sort of touched on that on the, on the stranger things two episode, but like we weren't bothered by it because it was like, well, the season was kind of building to getting, getting 11 back 
to sort of save the day. They kind okay. of, that was kind of part of the story of it. But I didn't want that to then happen like a third time where it was just like, oh, all you need to do is just get Eleven there. And she's like the sort of magic MacGuffin that can fix any problem you've got. Very so true. I like the Very fact true. that they sort of messed with her powers a bit in this one. And like you said, they had to split up and you got Hopper and Joyce, like you said, fighting the Cold War. <laughs> and you got Dustin and, and, and Steve and Robin and all that running around in the labs and, and, and outside and, and then you've got the mind flare and all this kind of stuff. So, but uh, with with Eleven, they did kind of uh, work the story in a way that so she does kind of lose her powers there for the final battle. So she can't just stand up and sort of throw shit around and and, and all that like she does. So I was wondering, Foz, do you think that like Eleven's powers are gone for good, or is it just a case that like I know she's got to have a bit of a break for a bit. I think she needs to have. She didn't have enough egos this season, so maybe that's something. <laughs> but I think it was kind of convenient story-wise for her to lose her powers at this point because you know you never know she'd be searching for certain people. <laughs> you don't have to be cagey. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I didn't think of that. I guess because she could just sort of like find. Look yeah, for it's, her, it's very convenient. But uh, I have a theory that uh, Hopper's still alive. He's in the Upside Down. It would be far easier for her to find him mm. if she had her powers. And Man, it's that's a good that point. Lost but my question is, within the plot, how did she lose her powers and how should, should she be able to get them back? Is it just that she got tired? It seems like she said it. Okay, fine. She needs a triple decker ego tower thing with the whipped cream and the chocolate. She needs that. Yep. Yep. Okay. I was hanging around Mike. All his wussiness rubbed off on (laughs) him. Such a piece of shit. Yeah. Kissing (laughs) takes a lot of energy. (laughs) Yeah, plus I know she got sort of she did get bitten and sort of infected a bit there. So I guess that might have sort of slowed her down a bit with the the whatever the the bug creepy thing in her well, leg. She, so. she had to perform yeah. surgery on herself, and then never yeah. really got stitches or anything. It was just kind of sitting there, kind of bleeding sir, the whole sir, time. So are we just blaming Mercer on this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Very true. Very, very. Oh, it was they, the eighties. No one got yeah, stitches. The, yeah, yeah. Come on. <laughs> Spit on she it. It's fine. I got stitches so. in the eighties. Rub some dirt put, on. Put put some Take duct tape on it and get back to work. Yeah, bust out the Robitussin, you'll be fine. But but to the to the powers thing and like her not having it, I I, I think and my guess is next season we're getting a flip. She's not going to have her powers, but we're getting Hopper back, and Hopper's got powers. Something about or, that. Or how know. about a, a certain character they introduced oh. in season two and then fucking ignored the entire year? Ooh. Oh yeah. It was eight. Oh, like her remember? her sister oh. Kali. Her yeah. sister. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah like, like they didn't even they yeah. didn't even give us a wink at any point during the season. They're just like, ah, forget about this. Yeah, that was something we did. <laughs> I yeah, did. That spinoff. That's... That spinoff never came to fruition. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the warriors uh, of Gary yeah. Indiana or whatever. Strangerer things. Oh jeez, <laughs> Mohawk guy. Weirder stuff. I think yeah. no one can recognize <laughs> the map. Yes. <laughs> Uh, one thing i I do like is is that like overall like throughout the series i mean at at times it's been painfully obvious the whole thing's about 11 
But I felt like this season, when I was thinking back upon the whole story, I was like, you know, you could really say that this series has been about several characters. Like, they've been the focal point of the series. Um, but, like, that, I think that came about because of what a good job they did in this season of, of everybody getting their own story. You know, like, last season, everybody was kind of together, and it was kind of one cohesive story that they told versus, you know, like we touched on, this this branched off so well into you know relationships developing stories being told things that they didn't necessarily need to do you know uh, Steve the Hare Harrington and and Robin their whole pseudo love story that was told from the first episode all the way up until the end and you know kind of had a really cool conclusion with you know the the way Steve just reacted to her telling him that like hey I like chicks you know that kind of thing it was. Like everything that they did, I felt all all of their little side stories uh, all made sense, and it all felt good, with the exception of the singing of the song from the Never Ending Story, which oh, just doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. I don't understand why I got so much screen time. And, and thank you for joining us, Derek. We'll be letting you go now. Yeah, I was, I was going to say. <laughs> look, look, I love the Never Ending Story, but Jesus Christ, did they give that a lot of time? Me and Daryl were going to rehearse that and yeah, perform yeah, it, but no. we didn't have enough time. Yeah, no, no, we weren't. Yes, we were. Let's start. <laughs> it would take several weeks to learn all the words to that. So. Like, like today, if you're a high school student and like you're you're supposed to like send your girlfriend a text and you don't send her a text for like thirty minutes, that's like some apocalyptic shit. She's going to be really upset at you. And this is a case where there was like a matter of days where Dustin was unable to make radio contact with Susie. You know, I mean, this sure, it's the 80s, but, like, she was expecting this never-ending story song for, like, a week or so. By the time she finally got Dustin on the radio, she wasn't going to just give him planks constant. Without it's her fault. She, she wasn't there. She wasn't there the agreed-upon time in the first place. That's how this all started. Yeah. Dustin up on a hill by himself, calling out to Susie, having people not believe him. It's her fault, not his. Yeah, she she has know. it in her bedroom. It's in her bedroom, for Pete's sake. You see how easy it was for her to get to it? He was out on a hill. Her family is maybe, Mormon. She maybe. probably had to go to church. Yeah, they go to church every day. Yeah, there's a lot of... They go to church every day. Yeah, but also they have a, a pretty strict rule that Sunday is just for families. So for all we know, it was Sunday. Yeah. I remember having Mormon friends as a kid, and I couldn't go out <laughs> and play basketball with them on Sundays. It pissed me off. <laughs> There's a quote for the show. I had Mormon friends as a kid. <laughs> Daryl Johnson. <laughs> it pissed me off. <laughs> if, if, that that ellipse. Well, if you if you grew up in Mesa and you didn't have Mormon friends, you just didn't have friends. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Brian grew up in Yuma and just didn't have we, friends. That's right. No friends. I think Until I found you assholes. <laughs> Just keep those cigarettes handy, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think Derek brought up a good point, though, like whereas the first season was sort of mostly about Mike and Eleven and then season two, Mike sort of dropped off a little bit and it was more about Will because Will was actually in that season. He wasn't just sort of being searched for and stuck in the upside down and stuff like that. But then like this season, again, they seem to have sort of left – like Mike out of a lot of stuff. And I wonder if that's because he's like, the actor is pretty busy at the moment. He's doing a lot of other things. Like he's in it and all these other movies. And then, but then I do wonder if it's more of a popularity thing too now, like, because 
it, it like his lead role is almost kind of been like usurped by Dustin at this stage. I would think. Like I think most people would sort of lean towards Dustin as like the the favorite or the main kid yeah. of those sort of but, original four. If if anything, I blame it on the relationship between Steve and Dustin because I love that and I love their friendship yeah. and. I, I like I felt like that kind of stole the show a little bit in season two and then in season three, especially that, you know, that whole scene with Robin giving Steve shit about having little kid friends and how yeah. excited he was to see Dustin. Right. Like that was really cool. Like the, the fact that someone like Steve Harrington thinks of someone like Dustin as being like a friend and an equal is just they're just a cool relationship. You know, I, I do think That's there's adorable. also some of I don't think Mike needed to be the main one. Like nobody. This season, and I said this earlier, they balanced well the screen time and stories between everybody fairly well. I don't think this needs to be as focused as it was. I thought that was one of the better parts of the season was, you know, like we said, first season was really, you know, Mike and L. Last season was really on L. This season, I felt like it got distributed a little better across the characters because they did the split. And I thought that made it more enjoyable. I think it's actually going to give a little more life to the characters because you're not getting too much of them. You're not, you know, I, I even thought that was good with um, Winona Ryder's character. Um, Joyce. 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 I am having a brain fart today. Thank, thanks to Tim for <laughs> driving me to a beer festival yesterday. Um, <laughs> so, but Joyce, like, <laughs> e even her role seemed a little diminished this season compared to last. It wasn't so focused on her for most of the episodes until really got into the Russian mm. stuff. Jo Joyce became a whole meme. Like, you know, she's, she's, she's battling tooth and nail to save her son for two seasons. And then and season three, how do magnets work? Yeah. Is she like the first jungle Detective <laughs> Buck. Yeah, well, that, that is something that we noticed about how Joyce always has some sort of object that she's obsessed with. Like in season one, it was Christmas lights and telephones. Season two, it was like construction paper, putting it together. And now it's magnets. Sure, why not? I just... Fucking magnets, how do they work? Yep. <laughs> magnets, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I do feel like, I agree with you, Jared. Like, I, I, I've noticed that they sort of have not switched focus from Mike and stuff like that, but, but like, that, that's Mike just went the heel. This, yeah. <laughs> Mike went heel. Mike he went heel in episode one, and he was full <laughs> on heel. Sure he but his grandmother was dying. Yeah, she's he's a, a fucking liar. Liar. Friends don't <laughs> lie. Yeah. But it was he was but just yeah. repeating Hopper's lie. He was he was like he was really afraid because he should have gotten his ass kicked, really. He really yeah. should have. That's a good point. I just think like it, it, it that's why the show is good though, like you said, Jared. It does kind of it, it's like, yeah, that it's not going well. We have to make Mike uh, and 11 sort of the focus point for every season because that's what we did last year and the year before it's like no well if the story uh goes a different way and you start including more characters um or you play off on other like characters relationships like building further on steve and, and dustin and all that and then you throw robin in there in the mix as well then they then go with it like it doesn't have to be it's not the mike show in a sense but it, it, it is unusual for, for shows to kind of do that, I feel. It's it's more – most shows would sort of go, well, these are our big three, and then the other characters to kind of chime in, whereas this one just – it seems like they've written the story and then gone, well, we don't have as much for, for these characters. I mean, like Lucas, it does nothing. 
Like he's just there. Oh, but Lucas like, Lucas makes the most out of yeah. every moment that he has on screen. Oh, he's great. He's great. But like, yeah. if he wasn't he there, was if right they were like the Lucas fireworks. went away, he just wasn't. You know, wouldn't change the story. Oh, then, and none. All of those kids were useless. All four, with the exception of Dustin, they were all useless. They all just got in yeah. the way. You got to give Lucas his credit for getting the fireworks out. But let's be honest, the real MVP of season three was Murray. Oh, Murray's Murray. Murray. Murray lives in a 618 area code, which is where I grew up. He lives in Cesar, Illinois, which in, in the St. Louis metro area. So they had to drive a long-ass way, first of all, to get to Murray. But um, but when yeah, when Hopper shouted out his phone number as being 618, you can call that number. Um, by the way, I, I really uh, pop for that. 618, uh, not, to, not the Ray Mysterio Jr. Well, 6618 what do you think with Murray? Like, I mean, they gave him more of a role to this year. Obviously, Brett Gelman was was popular last year, or last season, I should say. It wasn't last year. Um, and then him, his whole thing with with the uh, a Russian guy, Alexi. I mean, that worked pretty well. Like the back and forth, just Gelman's like disdain for it for Alexi at first, and then then it's like. Oh, Alexi got shot, and it's like, oh no, not Alexi! Like everyone kind of was real poignant <laughs> then for a bit. I mean, I, first of all, Brett Gelman to me is still his character from Eagleheart. So to see him on this as, a, as ah. this character was, it is just amazing. And like, like you said, that that was another story they told. That story, just in general, uh, between Murray and and Alexi, and Alexi kind of fucking with them, but also wanting to be free hopper's whole prediction about him not wanting to go back to the russians because they would wonder why he was yeah he's not gonna drive off that was those are all just great moments but i mean like uh, murray like with with alexi was just another little relationship that was that was fun and it made you know that that moment at the fair where he gets shot so much more painful, you know, you you started to like this guy you started to root for him and he wanted to help and be part of you know, America and all of that. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's the one thing that they did really effectively on this show. They, they took characters the entire time from season one, all the way up to season, season three. And, and like, they made you hate people, you know, like Steve Harrington at times, or like, you know, obviously like Billy, uh, or even Murray, you know, and then, uh, make you love them and, and make moments that happen where people get murdered or killed, you know, that much more, painful uh you know i i I'm, I'm amazed by that i'm amazed by even up until that last episode with with billy and that connection that 11 and him had at the end uh how they they made you care for billy even though at times he was such a piece of shit you know like they 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 effectively more than anything made you care about each one of the characters on this show well and also i think the uh another Poignant and I thought somewhat obvious, but maybe not. Uh, 80s reference was uh, I'm going to ask Brian a question. Who was the most beloved comedian during the Cold War? 
Yakov Smirnov. What did Hopper call him? Smirnov. He was the Russian who opened himself up to American culture, and we loved him for it. And then he got killed instead of opening a theater in Branson. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it could have been a double meaning with, with Yakov Smirnov, but was, was Smirnov vodka a thing in the 80s? Like, it just felt like an easy thing to go. Like, what's the first yes. thing Russian that comes to mind? Oh, let's call him Smirnov. It, mm-hmm. it, it was easier to say, easier to say than uh, Gorbachev. <laughs> That's a very hopper thing to do, though. Like, he wouldn't sort of, Hopper would just say the first thing that popped into his head. He wouldn't sort of. Think of a clever reference, yeah. Mm. But what about I did? I did like the fact that when, once we got Joyce and Hopper and Gelman and Alexi all sort of running around like that. That little side story for a few issue, uh, issues, a few episodes there. Uh, it really did just become like the Terminator for a bit because you got that big Russian dude Grigori like just hunting them and chasing them down, and he's like he's one hundred percent meant to be the Terminator. So you just look at him. Oh yeah, he's like the size, the haircut. He's got like the denim jacket sort of clothes, like Arnold in the first movie. Like oh, I thought it was awesome. <laughs> By the way, I think everything like that is intentional oh, all yeah. throughout this series. I mean, you know, the the creature references this season, all of the you know the Russians, the you know Red Dawn references, just everything mm. that they did. I, I felt like they have somehow fit into one television series. Every like major classic movie reference and things from the 80s, you know, like they've stolen from everything. But that's the thing is it's kind of brilliant because they've stolen from so much that you can't you can't say anything from this show was particularly taken from one thing because it was all taken from stuff. And just it's, it's all put together in a, in a really wonderful way. Like, you know, you, you can't blame them for that. But I don't I like you like you said, I don't think that they're trying to even hide it like in some cases no, like the no. russian guy they're they're totally being obvious about how much that dude looks like arnold schwarzenegger walking around with the with the scar you know with the with the things on his face and the sunglasses the whole bit like it's it's but i love it for that you know i i, well, I think that they are they are smart for the way they did that i agree and i think the difference is um it's like Stranger Things did a really good job of blending all things 80 and 80s into the show and saying like, hey, this is kind of what it was like in the 80s. And if you lived in the 80s, here's a bunch of references that, you know, are going to make you remember this decade. And then you get something like Ready Player One, which is just like, hey, look, I remember shit from the 80s. Here's a bunch of shit that I could just shit out all over a fucking two hour movie. <laughs> yeah, the movie That's didn't do a great job of it, yeah. The book is the book, the book is a, sucked too, Greg. The book sucked. No, too. the book was great. Oh, the book was great. The Come book on, was dog shit. It was the same. No it was. It was. Remember what? <laughs> here's it was. Here's what I remember about the '80s and can fit into a book. It's the same fucking thing. Only they couldn't quite fit as much into the movie. I will say, while I was reading that book, I constantly thought, "How is he getting away with this?" Like, like you're just you're just describing another thing in your book that already exists, and that's somehow literature. But hey, no, 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 that's that's why the book sucks. Yeah, I know, I get it. Uh, but I, I, like you said, though, I thought that they were very clever about the way they did stuff, and I mean, they they covered all of it. Like they covered every '80s horror movie trope from beginning to end. Like everything has been covered throughout this series, you know. Uh, and this season continued to check things off the list. Uh, I, I just, 
I, I, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind the pod person stuff. I didn't mind everything. Uh, another thing I didn't really mind is the product placement because I thought that they did, even though a lot of it was super in your face, I, I, I really felt like it just helped to continue that whole 80s, you know, nostalgia feeling, you know, even if the icy in, in Billy's hand while he's Flushy. sitting on the tower is very paced face forward perfectly and right in the camera view and 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 so is the burger king bag that hopper's holding and hey, you yeah, got, you got to fund this kind of production value somehow Billy should have had a slush yeah. puppy god damn it I like, they, I like that they, they promoted yeah. in this series both ices and slurpees that's so gangster good for you <laughs> That's like Dave Chappelle fucking doing Coke and Pepsi. Like, God damn it, I can't believe how fucking badass that is. That I, I think you may be confused on what kind of Coke Dave Chappelle was doing. <laughs> was it New Coke? Is that what is that what Jerry was it's making a joke Coke. about? Yeah, it was New, New Coke? Coke. Yeah. New Coke. You can get that <laughs> online for like two cans for like twenty four ninety five. No, or you can, you can find it at stores. Yeah. It was it was at convenience stores and stuff like that. You didn't have to like buy the really expensive package online. Like there was actually a, like it was it was in stores. But my parents bought a bunch of it thinking it was just regular Coke because they. Put a <laughs> <of things. laughs> That's hilarious. And it's and it's really not good. <laughs> like it's that that well, could have stayed in the eighties. I I don't know if I ever tried new Coke uh, when I was a kid. But I remember getting really nostalgic for for uh, Crystal Pepsi yeah. when they brought it back, oh, and I remember yeah. loving it as a kid. I really liked it as a kid. I couldn't even finish the bottle that I bought. It was just terrible. I thought it was I thought it was okay, but it it's, wasn't this like wonderful elixir that I had imagined it. Oh, it was it, it was bad. It, it was nothing like I remembered it. I don't think we ever got it down here, to be honest. I think it, it sort of came and went, and they went, yeah, we're not sending that down there. <laughs> the plot twist is that's all they've got is actually new Coke. All the new Coke is in Australia. Yeah, what we think is Coke is actually yeah, only the, all the, the, the real joke is that they've just been diluting it into Foster's all these years and shipping it back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no one drinks that down here. <laughs> no one drinks it here either. Yeah, no yeah. <laughs> I yeah, no one drinks it anyway. That's the thing. It's, it's, it's your yeah. standard like piss water in uh, in the UK. Yeah, it's, it's like your it's like your Bud Light over there. Right? It's like it's like that or Carlsberg is what's on tap. Mm. They had a few commercials, and the world thinks it's popular. It's like, nope. They no had pretty good it. commercials. Yeah, that's true. It's it's the only reason we still remember Australia exists in America. Really, <laughs> that that and the Hemsworths. <laughs> <laughs> no, Australia is a is a conspiracy. And Billy, theory, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and, and Billy. Billy. God damn it! Yeah. Shout out, shout out to Billy because uh, because he's he's living up to what I said last season about him being like the second coming of Heath Ledger. <laughs> well, now there's talk that he might be Adam Warlock. Is he? Oh, that's, which I, like I heard that. that, and I was like, hey, I had never thought of that before, but now that's all I want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. But yeah, well, I mean, things do kind of kick off um, with Billy, like once we sort of catch up with him and he's the lifeguard and all this kind of thing. But I mean, surely there weren't any surprises on our end of the, the spectrum when he's, you know, sort of this object of desire by all the mothers, especially since like we made the prediction on the last show that like he was totally going to bang Mike's mom, and like he nearly did. So, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> The, they they knew what people were thinking from that last season, but well, well, and you, I think 
I think Fazi, you you said something like uh, the only reason all of this happened is because Billy went, was going to fuck Mike's mom and got caught up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't have happened if if he decided to She's just right. stay at home. Yeah, but yeah, really was, though, it was it was unavoidable. Like, can you can you blame him? Mm-hmm. You no. him? It was unavoidable. <laughs> yeah. She was easily the Pretty hottest hot. mom of all the moms yeah. there, yes. And she was so turned on by yeah. him shaming the fat kid running around the pool. I mean, oh, man. Like her oh. Yeah. You know what? I, I fucking love it when the object of my desire, like, publicly shames somebody like that. Oh, that it gets child, me so yeah. hot. Yeah. You know, you know what? She can't, she can't empathize because she has very skinny children. She like she doesn't care about that fat kid. That's true. Yeah. 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 Like her, like her like like I mean Mike is like a pretty skinny kid and and, and Nancy is just like. I was gonna say anything. Yeah. Why do you think Nancy's that skinny? Because right. she's shaming her the same way for years. Um, <laughs> but also, I I I appreciate the fact that it, at the very least, like season one carried into season two, based on you know certain factors, but. I felt like things that they planted in season two came to fruition in season three. That's why the two of them, like, you know, cross over so well between them. I, I felt like things they did was with the with, with the intention of it, of the story furthering in season three. And, and it worked, you know, all of the stuff with Billy. I mean, Billy kind of was a piece of shit for no reason in season three, other than just to have another story to tell, you know. But but now yeah, it, there it was seems- a hint there, though. Yeah, it it's, was, it's like it makes it, sense, you know. Once the dad it, turned up and he just turned into a little like puppy dog, it was like, oh, that's why he's a piece of shit. His right. dad's a piece of shit. Right. So like, there was a there was enough of a little sort of inkling there that you were like, oh, there's more to this guy. But right. yeah, but for most of the season, yeah, he was he was a, he's a shithead. But also, oh, like, I remember our last episode, I called it that Billy was going to be the monster in season three, that he was going to become the real world sort of conduit for uh, the mind player. Yep. And Absolutely. Uh, well, the only the only thing that I was wrong about is I thought he was going to be more of a willing participant, but he, but in the mm. end he wasn't. Yeah, we we sort of speculated that he would kind of be like jealous or something, and of like, oh, they they all know some weird shits going on. I don't know anything about it. And then when confronted with the monster, he was like, oh, good, you can use me to, like, we'll get revenge together type of thing. But yeah, he was just more of a victim straight up in this. But also, yeah, he's, like, he's hey. the perfect the perfect person to have when you're the mind flare because he's the guy who can do anything. Like nobody says no to him, and and they established mm-hmm. that pretty early on that like you know this this is Billy, this is everybody everybody just loves this kid even though he's an asshole. Like he can get away with anything anyway. So you may as well follow him down to the old uh, forge and uh, get turned into human jello to make a monster. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's why I, I like that dinner scene, right? Oh, that seems great. Good. With oh. the Leaf Guard's parents, right? That to me was that moment where you're like, "Oh shit, Eleven, you're you're you you have a you have a worthy adversary before you, right?" Because it was like it, it's not going to be one of those obvious things where you can go telling on him. He he has thought of that, and they're two steps ahead of you, them and the creature, and all of that. So it, it, that was a great moment where you knew this wasn't going to be as easy as Eleven coming in and just using her powers to you know to to save the day. Yeah, they 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 get me for a second there as well, where it looked like um, uh, Billy had killed Mike's mum, and then it sort of flashed out of his sort of head. It was like, oh fuck, because like, you know, it, it did sort oh, of. Oh yeah, yeah. That like was, for that yeah, split yeah, second, definitely. I was like, oh shit, they really have like they're going full bore with like evil Billy type of thing. But then, yeah, 
killing um, killing characters here and there sets that up perfectly. You know, like because you're right. I fully thought that that had really happened in that split second when it when they when they did that. So, uh, and and honestly, I thought that was going to be part of the direction they went with this whole thing. Apparently, they didn't want to fully commit to Mike's mom being dead, but. I felt like that was like well, that, yeah. that's because his that dad's such so useless that he's <laughs> sent away to like boarding school. How are you going to go cheat on that man while he's cuddling your small child asleep in front of the TV? What a bitch you are! She's oh, he's, 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 he's the worst. That guy is the worst. <laughs> yeah, he can't handle like, the Ferris wheel. He's for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean Hawkins is a small town, so I mean that explains it. But he outkicked his coverage. Yeah. Well, he also he's he, he's he's pretty well off, I think. That's what was what was the thing that Jonathan said to, to Nancy as he was like, "Fuck Jonathan!" By the way, I just want to get fuck Jonathan out there. Like, I'm tired of that guy. I yeah, never yeah. I never liked Jonathan. Never liked Jonathan. But but this season when when he was going off on Nancy about like oh, like like Nancy's going through some real shit and he's like, "Oh, poor little rich girl, giving her that shit." Like, fuck that guy. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. Basically, victim shaming someone while she's going through sexual harassment at her job. Yeah. You mean that part? Yeah, yeah, yeah that part. Speaking oh, with, she ruined his exposure of his photos. I mean, come on. Fuck Jake Busey <laughs> once again. Just fuck Jake Busey. <laughs> <laughs> I know his dad's now the prime <laughs> minister of England, but you know, I was once oh, in yeah, the same you... restaurant as Jake Busey. That's all. End of story. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the most cartoonish misogyny that I I. Yeah. Ever saw like that? That, that, that um, like look at Nancy and Jonathan plotline. Besides the the old woman chugging comet in her in her basement, that whole thing was the weakest plotline of the what three four different plotlines. But it does Where exist I here. Love, I love that. Yeah, I'm not saying sexism doesn't exist. I thought his portrayal was incredibly cartoonish. It and was cartoonish, written. yes. Yeah, it did. I guess it does it's an eighties motif. Yeah. Though, like they would, they in an eighties movie, they would be like that, like nine to five yeah. and Ferris Bueller and all exactly. that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. but like with we just stay on the mind flare for a bit. I was just wondering, like it, it's still kind of like we learn more about it, but it's still like a bit of a mystery as well. It wasn't sort of like oh, here's what it is and what it wants, like. It's 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 mentally still in the upside down, but it's somehow able to possess and kind of reconstruct bodies of people into like melt into this like uh, crude version of itself. Like like you said with the rats and the old lady Daryl, and then like really Billy gets overtaken and yeah, like I just thought that part was really inventive though. Like for a show that's that sort of cops a lot of shit for you know, being too derivative or oh, it relies too much on tropes and nostalgia and all that. Like, I don't remember seeing anything like that before as far yeah. as, like, you know, it, it, it's it's mentally still in this other dimension, but it can physically possess people in our dimension and then melt them all together like, what it, you know, some weird fucking thing. Like, oh. and, and then as well, it wasn't like, oh, once they kill it, uh, like you watch all these people like sort of crawl out of the remains of it, like the fucking end of Ghostbusters, you know, like it's like, right. no, no, those people are all just dead and melted right. and, and that's it. Like they're well, gone. And that's, so that's, that's, what's, that's what's really, that's what's really cool about it is their commitment to doing that. Their commitment to having those people be controlled, mind controlled, and then willing participants in becoming part of the mind flayer. 
you know, that scene where they're like marching down the stairs in line, exploding and becoming part of it. Like that was fucking sad to watch. And it was gross. It was unsettling. There, there was all sorts of things like they, they nailed that whole, I don't know, that, that creature and the way it absorbs people and comes together. It was fucking gross. And I mean, like there, there was times where I was listening to it in my headphones, watching it on my phone, and I like the squishing sounds that they made of it. Fucking alone was enough for me to be like, "Yep, yeah, no, I'll finish watching this later. I'm fucking done with that right now." So it's an effective, like you know, it, it was an effective creature, and like you said, it's it's different. It's not something we've necessarily seen before. Uh, I I love the explanation for why people are dead and missing at the end, you know, but it's. It, it's the way that they would have done it in the 80s. Some bullshit fucking explanation on some expose about some explosion or whatever. People died in it. And that's it. You know, uh, it was it was it was it was good. I liked it. I think that actually the mind flare, it actually split when Elle closed the gate in season two. Because I remember when it came out of Will, it went uh, Joyce trapped it in the fridge. So I think it kind of escaped from there, and that's why it was out on the outside world. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Good, good spot yeah. there. Yeah, because I, mean, I, I was wondering, like, it did, it does, like, it does still feel a little bit like, uh, it, it, like it, a little too much, like it's just a monster. Like I was, we did get a little bit of a sort of a insight into it, like when it was speaking through Billy and stuff, but. I am sort of hope. I know that it's not a finished yet, so like you still got to let the next season, and if they do a fifth one, you know, they'll. I'm sure they'll explain a bit more. But like, yeah, I, I'd like to get some kind of reveal that it is sort of a real consciousness with a real plan. It's not just kind of like a monster that's just its whole motive is just like cross over, kill everyone, and then like, okay, why? Like it. it, it at sometimes it seems really intelligent and like it has motivations and stuff and like a, a big plan. And then other times it does seem to just be kind of like the T-Rex or something like chasing cars and things like that. Well, the problem so. sometimes is, is no matter what the explanation is for something like this, it's not really going to be satisfying. I mean, I think of lost and other shows that had something <laughs> mythical or whatever. Right. And it ended up being just, bullshit in the end where no just matter keep what Damon Lindelof away from it, it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> please you know what i mean but i i mean at the same time too i i i'm with you like i thought of the upside down being something bigger i thought of demigorgon and everything with season one and even season two having a bigger feel to it like this climax in season three feels like just a single thing that got out of you know wherever the, the upside down or wherever it exists right i mean my hope is is that that's all that it is one thing uh, when in the in in the general sense, that's just one. Just like the the demi dogs in season two, right? That's just one of many of those things that could come through that portal or whatever, right? I mean, I just I feel like I need more than just that. Yet I also feel like if we get too deep in ex explanation, it's it's going to be lame no matter what it is, right? It's all magical, it's all mythical, it's all whatever, right? I think that the bigger yeah. thing about this is that that kind of mystery about everything, and once you solve the mystery, there's not much left there, you know? I mean, that's that's true, but I seem to remember the Duffer brothers saying that they actually do have, like, a, I think it was a five-year plan of explaining exactly what the upside down is, and so I'll trust them for that. And also, mm. by the way, Greg, um, just a word on Damon Lindelof. Sure, Lost sort of 
lost its its way near the end. But he also did the leftovers, and that's a show that fucking nailed the landing. So right. I, well, that must be his only <laughs> one then, because yeah, <laughs> you look at the rest of them. A guy can't write a third act, and then when he fucks <laughs> it up, he just goes, "Oh, it, um, oh, it's up to the viewer to decide." Fuck you, you wrote the story, do it properly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the viewers did decide the ending of Lost, though. That's that new the Watchmen, that new Watchmen series is gonna suck. Just because it's going to build oh. all these things that are going places, and then it's going to be like, "Whoa, what do you think happened?" Fuck off! Tell the story. Like he's awful. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Yeah, fuck. The leftovers was great. Damn it! I haven't seen that though. So to be fair, I'll, I'll yeah. It is. I'll, I'll it is three you. seasons of horrendously sad beauty. I recommend it. Hmm. All right. As far as this show goes, I think I think they have a plan to kind of expand and and explain what's going on with the upside down. I I think they set the stage well this season, and we'll probably get even more of it next season for the Russian U.S. kind of conflicts over it to to hopefully give us some more insight there. And I think that plays really well with what they do with you know their the eighties. That was a huge thing in the 80s, especially as we're starting to get to the late 80s and we start to approaching that fall of the Soviet Union. I, I think they have a good bit to work with there that'll allow them to use that con- the time period context to explain it and how that works, especially with, the you know, we've been going back and forth so much with the labs. And now we know we've got the military involved in Hawkins. I, I think there's a lot more that they're going to be able to do with that. To, to get some background there. It could, it could be something as simple as, you know, some um, Nancy doing some investigation, f- discovering some files or something that explains that, oh, it goes back mm-hmm. further than we knew, or it, they've been battling on this and we're, we're like opposite points or something like that. I think, I think we're going to find out that, that there was a leak, that the Russians got information. I think my, my theory is that, uh, is that Papa is still out there. And he's the reasons the Russians have a Demogorgon now. That, that's Dr. Brenner, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. Because I was just reading something where the theory is, is maybe it's not Hopper that's the American that the Russians have. Mm. Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. I Hopper's in the upside down. Yeah, I would love for Hopper to maybe stick around somehow, but I would also really hate for it to be so obvious that that's what it was. So it was that the Russians just pulled him out of yeah, there? I, I would love for someone other than Hopper to be behind uh, the American... Yeah. I hope it's Murray. But here's the thing, though, is the way they played it, the problem is is if, yeah, you're, you're going for the swerve if it's not Hopper next season, but it kind of, it, it the fact that you played it up like it was at the end diminished the moment then with Joyce in, in his sacrifice. like well, be, be, Because if you leave that dangling hope and, and you make it so almost obvious that it is him, you don't... It, it, it doesn't land as well. No, I mean... I like, no, 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 I like no, if, no, I disagree. I like Fox's idea. Think, like, if, if uh, he's in the Upside Down, then you have this love interest and maybe it's in a different city, but Joyce strings up those fucking lights again mm. and starts getting messages <laughs> exactly. with Hopper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, the original sexting ho- Hopper from the Upside Down. Oh yeah, there, there just yeah. some there's some pottery involved. Look, too, like, should be like, why? Why <laughs> is oh, why are these Christmas anyway. lights just saying no, saying Adidas over and over? And the kids are gonna have to be like, Mom, it's it's Hopper because Adidas stands for all day I dream about sex. <laughs> oh, <Christ. laughs> 
No, I had this theory that I was discussing with Daryl before. I was saying that Hopper and Joyce decide to keep their date. So he goes to, uh, what's the name of the restaurant? Gino's? No, she goes to Enzo's. She goes to Enzo's with the Christmas lights, places it on the table for two. (laughs) And she manages to communicate with him. That's beautiful. I love this idea. And the waiter is still pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I thought I thought that super obvious moment was needed, right? I mean, they were they were wrapping things up in such a way that they 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 needed to hold out hope. And yes, next season we need to be swerved on it. But I like I don't know. I was so sad there at the end that I remember even saying it out loud. Like I was like, "Give me something, give me something." <laughs> like the credits started to roll, and I was like, "You sons of bitches, better give me something." And then immediately goes into that stinger. And you know, again, it's that's that's that thing that tells you that it's not done and there's more to tell. I think the American thing is that nod just to just to tell you, even if that's not who they're referencing, it's that way of telling you at the end of the season, like, hey, he's not gone, wink, you know, that kind of yeah. thing, right? See, I thought like the American thing was kind of obvious, but that that came after the 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 scene with L reading the letter. And that's where I thought, like, oh, he's fine. Because the the whole thing of, like, leave the door open for your old man. It's like, yeah, leave the like the portal open a little bit. Because yeah. the, yeah. the, the door open three inches. Yeah. And she's yeah, the she, one who could open it again, technically, if she has her powers and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, don't don't close. Like, it's not what Hopper meant, but it's, it's you know, it's the foreshadowing double meaning yeah. overlay yeah. kind of shit. But <clears throat> that's where I thought, like, oh, he's fine. He just ducked into the hole, yeah. like, before it all blew Ooh. up. Two other things, because one, in the letter, because we actually watched the last episode right before this, he was talking about, like, living in a cave and don't get stuck in the cave. I think he's in the upside down. And also, Fozzie. The Peter Gabriel song that they played at the end, the heroes, they played that in the same scene when uh, they found Will's body in the creek. He wasn't raised Will. He's not really dead. And plus, the Duffers like to have dead bodies. If they're really killing off a character, you will see them on screen dead. Yeah, I was going to say that's one of the biggest things they found him. Well, not just Alexi. Every single main character that was killed off, even going back to season two. Bob, right? I mean, that was such a traumatic death. And they showed you every bit of that. More than I ever wanted to see. I put, I put, I put Bob up there with Glenn from The Walking Dead. Hey, why does <laughs> no? Why does Sean Astin have to die a gruesome no. death in everything that he's in? Oh, I don't know. It's so sad. It made me so. No, sad. we established this. He lives in movies. Tim found it. He lives yeah. in movies. He dies on TV. Ah, uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have, have you seen the one about the football team? <laughs> <laughs> That was my favorite line from from uh from our, our Stranger Things too. When Tim says, "I haven't seen Rudy, but I assume he lives." Hashtag Rudy lives. Remember, we we had that going. Yes, it came from my elementary school when I was in sixth grade. Oh, that's true. That's true. With Hopper, do you yeah. think he was a bit over the top this season? Like here and there, or like I yes. don't know. I like I liked him. I like Harbor a lot, but. I don't know. Something was a bit off. I just thought, like, maybe he was. Is it? Is it? Is he overacting? Is he more of a character at the moment, or is it just meant to be that he's under so much stress at the moment because he's being stood up by Joyce? He's got fucking Mike, the little bastard, giving him shit, and then 
the Russians and everything going on. So, like, he just explodes, like, with emotional outbursts, like, at the drop of a hat. But, oh, right. no. and, and him bickering with Joyce back and forth, that got a bit old, I thought. I legitimately thought everything was fine until, like, you like you dressed. Like, when they started getting into the investigation and such, some of the ways that he, you know, when he stole the Todd father's car and a lot of that kind of shit was just way outside of the way that he would even need to act, right? So... Um, but early on, I I didn't think so. Like, I thought his frustration levels with what was going on was appropriate. Like I said earlier, I can only imagine, like, trying to parent a kid who has fucking telekinetic powers and can literally, <laughs> like, smash things with her mind and, and fucking is legitimately the boss over you. Yet you're trying to raise her and teach her right and not have her spend her days in her fucking bedroom with her piece of shit boyfriend <laughs> making out all day. <laughs> Such a piece of shit. <laughs> you know, I do but, like that uh, Hopper got a Jaws reference in there at one point. He was like, I can do whatever I want. I'm the chief of police. I was fucking pissed off. <laughs> yes, I was like, yes, yes you tell yes, him, you Hopper. <laughs> oh, fuck Carrie Yule's up. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Wesley, son of a bitch. <laughs> That's Robin Hood to you. <laughs> I did think that was a missed opportunity as well because... Uh, uh, Hopper being Hopper, it wouldn't have made any sense. But when he tossed Gregory into the machine, he's like, I'll see you in hell. I don't know why it just came through my head. <laughs> he should have said, I'll see you in hell, boy. <laughs> 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 just for the worst joke ever. <laughs> now I have to go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Brian, story wise. We sort of touched on the Russian stuff, obviously, because it's through the whole season. But, Brian, from the beginning, you know, the first scene is the Russians attempting to open a gateway in the Upside Down. And we don't sort of ever really understand, like, why they're trying to do that. But that's just villain plan kind of thing going into full effect for an 80s show. Uh, but, yeah, Dustin's radio tower uh, picks up the signal and we get Steve and obviously Robin and, and even Lucas's sister, Erica, uh, gets a bigger role this season as well, which she yeah. sort of grew up a bit this season. I didn't like her at all at first, but she's the, the only bigger piece of shit than Mike. What? Yeah. I, 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 I hate her. I, like I, hate her. her. I, thought she, I thought she was sassy. Yeah, the reason I hated her is the reason you liked her. <laughs> with the with the 80, uh, 80s you know, Red Dawn war games kind of stuff. Like, oh, I, I, I did like it, but Brian, I was wondering, like, you obviously are critical of <laughs> a lot of the 80s nostalgia stuff, like we said, with with uh, Ready Player One and stuff like that. But what are, the whole Steve, Dustin, Robin, Erica kind of side of things, like going underground and all that, like that whole story, how'd that work for you? Uh, I was, I wanted to like uh, the little sister, but I'm, I'm with Daryl. She kind of, she kind of got annoying after a little bit where it's like, all right, you know, there's there's sassy, and then there's like fucking sassy, and she <laughs> like it was too much. But I, like, I I, honestly, my was... biggest complaint about the entire season is that they just completely ignored a character from season two that they were like, no, this is gonna be something. And I, see, I, 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 I never got that. We, Derek and sassy, I... and there's Xbox sassy. Yeah, well, Derek and I. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> like Derek and I mentioned the whole eight, you know, from last season and stuff like that, and and like her powers, and like I 
I think we're sort of on the same page, Derek. Like we basically assume like the whole story with eight and, and eleven and the little the warriors gang and all that, that was just to kind of build up Eleven's powers so that she was more powerful by the end of season two, so that when she got back to Hawkins, she was powerful enough to to like take down the the mind flower and shut the so, gate type of thing. So are I didn't think that was reason? ever gonna be like, oh, this is the new this character's gonna be in it forever. Not to mention the fact that her power wasn't anything. So it's like, what is she going to come think the mind flare is covered in spiders or some shit? Like, she <laughs> have a can you imagine how much more frightening that thing would be if it was covered in spiders? Right, <laughs> so I much know. more frightening. And so, so <laughs> sorry, Greg, if, like sewer water. <laughs> if they were if they were just building up Eleven's uh, powers in season two. Is it their fault that she ran out of juice? Did they like fucking overclock her and then like burn out her processor at the end of the whole fucking deal then? My fault it is. It's Maxine's fault. Because early on they were wasting her power yeah. on shit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Girls Pepsi explode in her face at the Orange Julius stand or whatever the fuck. Like, really? That's what you're using your you're getting nosebleeds for that? What the fuck is wrong with you? Goddamn reckless kids. I believe Dude. that. That would be all that you would do with that power, and so would I. <laughs> yeah. I would have so much fun. <laughs> well, I think the best part of that storyline with, with Dustin and Steve and the whole sort of underground lab plot points was like it, it as much as we've said it before in seasons one and season two, like it's they've gone like they've they've doubled up on the whole thing with Steve. Like he's He's come such a long way again, like from the most hated character in the show at one point who right. we all thought would, would die either as a villain come up and, or like a redeemed hero, like, oh, he was just turning good, um, you know, to, to most people's favourite, I would say. And, like, if they killed him now, there'd, there'd be riots about the show. <laughs> People would be like, no, not Steve. Like, I just think... That, yeah, the the torture scenes kind of threatened to get a little bit heavy, but then they ended up being like some of the funnier scenes because they played up that they were drugged and high and running around and they get topside again and hide out during a showing of like Back to the Future of all things, which just, again, the time period and stuff like that. But I don't know, I just think I think that season was probably that, – that storyline was some of the high points of the season. I yeah. Think. yeah, especially that, especially the, the truth serum stuff, right, because – Essentially, it's kind of like fucking MDMA or acid or some shit, right? They were just they were on some drugs and they were telling the truth. But I love the fact that the truth was that they worked for Scoops Ahoy, and that they just were down there checking some shit out, right? Like it was like even under the truth, it was still the thing that he was telling them before that. Which I mean, it it it, it was all really well done. There's yeah. there's so many moments on the show that I think that. I give them credit for remembering that it's a show and it's supposed to be entertaining. Right. So like it's, it's this mystery thing and it's this fucking X-Files type, you know, adventure fucking sci-fi thing. But like they deliver moments like that where it's just so funny and so memorable, you know, that particular moment, the whole 11 and max, uh, I dump your ass kind of thing. Right. Like there's so <laughs> many things that are like just funny, memorable moments in the show when, it didn't need to be right because it was doing this whole other thing. But then they still remembered that like, Hey, we got to constantly, you know, make this show entertaining in one way or another. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I was never not like finding it to be, you know, e even, even at times where it does fall into predictable tropes and whatnot, they, 
they do something that kind of lightens the mood or at least makes it something different that you you you, you feel like you're being you know constantly entertained i i'd love that for that i love the lines and all of those little scenes that they remember to put into a show you know because they don't they yeah. don't have to do that well, and, and speaking of Scoops Ahoy, and we've talked about the product placement, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but I was reading online that Baskin-Robbins had a tie-in sort of promotional thing with sta- with Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 we fucking well, know. It, it, yeah, okay. It, it made me think. It made me think, well, if they got 7-Eleven and Burger King and Coca-Cola involved, why didn't they have Baskin-Robbins involved? It was around in the 80s. And then it dawned on me. We have these two super hot actors. We got Steve and we got Uma Thurman's fucking daughter. Uma let's, Thurman, <laughs> Ethan Hawke's daughter. Yeah, and Whoa. let's put him yeah, in dude. sailor outfit. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a raggedy that, Andy, raggedy Andy thing for a while. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's like something the important. gritty version. It took me forever. I was going, the whole time I was watching the first like three episodes, it was like, she looks so familiar. She looks so familiar. And then I finally looked it up and went, oh, yep, exactly. It's like I couldn't place it. And then it's like, oh, now I know exactly. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what do you think about Robin coming out as a lesbian? Like the only query I had was how easily a that 1980s teenager enough. like Steve just kind of accepted it. Like it's not a problem that just – I don't know. It may not have gone as smoothly as that, like way back then. He's, I think it, you know. Well, well, he still hey, got drugs running through his body. He just got beaten up by Russians. And, yes, like, thank you. Did all that shit with her? I, he, he's willing to accept anything at that point. Well, no, he's and he's grown as a character, man. He's not he's not the guy who was going to spray paint, you know, Nancy the slut on the movie theater marquee anymore. Right. Like he's he's learned and he's grown and he's 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 better than he used to be. Here's here's yeah, the thing yeah. about not, that. No, 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 I think I yeah. think too. He was, he kind of has proven in the past to be cool with situations and things that he shouldn't be cool with, right? And and he tries to be people's friends when he really shouldn't be friends with them. I think that's kind of what is set by the precedent with Dustin's, you know, relationship with him and such. Like, I, I don't know, I. I, I watched season two and I immediately thought of Steve Harrington being like my cousin who was so much older than me. And one time when I went to visit him, ironically enough, in Salt Lake City, uh, <laughs> I went to visit him and he was hanging out with his friends. Now, I have older brothers. So when friends came over, that was when my older brothers kicked me out of the scenario and pretended like they didn't know me. And my cousin, like, fully accepted me into his friend group and was like, hey, where are you going? We're going to like hang out and watch movies. You should come hang out with us. And, you know, he was significantly older than me. I was probably like 12, 13. He was closer to 20 at the time. So it was just really cool for me as a young kid to have somebody older like that taking, you know, treating me like an actual equal and a friend. Right. And I thought of that with Harrington and and Dustin. And I kind of thought back to that when that moment happened, like, yeah, I'm with you though, Greg, it was a little cheesy because of how, I don't know, basically obvious the situation was that they were trying to kind of make a point you know he has a very 2019 reaction to correct to well, that. Let's, let's just be real. it was a very 2019 thing to, to kind of do too in the movie you know at this point he's seen several different monsters he's got a young girl he know has superpowers all this shit's going on 
Just being like, yeah, sure, whatever, to somebody being a lesbian. That's probably the most normal thing that's happened to yeah. him that would be considered crazy in a while. So I think that one's a little easy uh, easy to yeah. absorb yeah. once oh, you realize that. Not, upside not down. Not a complaint or anything. <laughs> on, on also, Robin, he knows, on, he knows she's Robin's telling the down. truth. When, 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 when any of us have had a girl tell us that she's a lesbian, we don't know if she's telling the truth or not. Yeah. She might just be trying to get rid of yeah. us. Um, um, that's, that's happened to you? <laughs> it has happened to me. Yeah, the Jessica again, too. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, not, that's not nice. <laughs> but anyway, no, like, but I also think Robin, like, telling him so blatantly is kind of like she's never told anybody else and, like, they've been through some shit, so she's okay with telling him now. She's like, I felt like that was part serum, of so. Well, it's the truth serum is forced out of her as well. Right, 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 right. That's what I'm saying, though. I mean, but they weren't in truth serum mode anymore at that point, weren't they? Yeah, weren't they? Were. they uh, they still were a bit. Yeah. Uh, okay, whatever. I don't know. Maybe well, they, then, I, it could have been one of those things where they're like, "Oh wow, the truth serum's really affected me." Then why like, that... Steve Harrington shit? That means he was just telling the truth, and he's a good dude. You guys are monsters. Yeah, he's a good dude. Team, <laughs> well, team Steve yeah. forever. <laughs> team Steve <laughs> all the way back to season one. I've been Team Steve. Giving, giving hair tips out to a kid that doesn't deserve them. <laughs> no, he earned, he earned the hair tips. Dustin earned the hair tips, okay? He didn't use them, obviously, based on season three. He used yeah, them at the end. His hair at the at the snowball is maybe the highlight of the entire show still. It was so good. So good. <laughs> yeah, but it was curly. How did he get it straight? <laughs> Farifasa's hairspray. Yeah, but it's like, how long did he spend on his hair? A lot of time. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of time. About as much time as you spend on your on your makeup. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Greg, you better shoot this guy before we have a break. Fire. Before Foz is going to dump <laughs> Daryl's ass right here. I'm going to mute the mic and beat Daryl up. <laughs> you guys are in the same room, right? Like, that's not uh, safe. Don't, uh, oh, yeah. don't mute the mic. Just still beat on him. Just don't mute it. Yeah. We want to hear. <laughs> Ow! Ah! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> but with uh, the la- the other kids, like we said, we they didn't get a lot of screen time. But like Will, I thought sort of they again we mentioned that not everyone has to have the same amount, but they were trying to at least give Will a bit of a story where he sort of actually has the most real life teenager storyline happening in the show because everyone else is dealing with monsters and superpowers and all this kind of shit, and he's yeah. actually the one who's just facing yeah. growing up and putting the, like. Dungeons and Dragons away and all this kind of thing with watching his friends like pair off in, with girlfriends and and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. like beyond being exposition guy for the Mind Flayer's powers, he didn't have a lot to do. But that's fine because the last two seasons did revolve mostly around him. But I just wonder if you guys figured are they going anywhere with Will or is he going to just going to be like you know oh Will's still here in the season four or whatever. No, it, oh it, no. It, it seems to trade off where season one, he spent most of the season just wrapped in up, the in, upside down. wrapped up in spider webs and the upside down and suffocating mm-hmm. season two. He was incredibly important and might've been the best actor of the season. And season three, uh, he was I just mean, touching he, his neck. Yeah, he was just touching <laughs> his neck. Yeah. <laughs> I feel something. <laughs> My spider yeah. So this is Peter Tinker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is Radagast. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm no, like, like, Peter Tingle's going to mean something completely different. <laughs> 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 oh. 
I, well, I like his so- story, though, because he was trying to get back to normal. And there was no normal anymore because now these guys all had girlfriends and they're all making out all the time and all sorts of shit. Uh, it's and it that's very true to real life. I mean, I mean, I feel like especially mm-hmm. when you get in that age range, uh, it, it all changes so quickly for you. So, like, I don't know. It goes back to what they did with Eleven um, and the story they told of her growing up. You know, I, I like that they keep telling the story of these kids that are going through all this weird shit still having to grow up and live lives. And some of them live more normal lives than other ones. You know, like, obviously, there's a lot going on with Will. And they, they, they didn't really do too much with it, but I thought that what they did was enough. And, I mean, I would have, I would have maybe liked to see a little bit more angst from him based on all the shit that he went through in season two. I thought that, you know, that the, the like you said, the touching of the neck thing seemed kind of mild compared to, like, what happened to him. You know, he was mm-hmm. a, a completely controlled by the Mind Flayer in season two. Here we are in season three, a season where the Mind Flayer has now controlled an entire almost, you know, quarter of a city as as under their control. And, you know, again, Will's just touching his neck. I don't, there, <laughs> there, there seems to be an opportunity there to have him a little more involved. Well, Mike threw out a sort of a, a bit of shit at him as well at one point where you could sort of see it as a, double-sided thing i guess because you know he's like yeah well, it's fine he goes just because it's not what does he say he goes ah oh, it's not our fault you don't like girls or something like this and it's like yeah. shit that's right shit. Oh. <laughs> i expect that type of language from greg it's appropriate it's appropriate yes but like that's that could be sort of taken either way whether you know is it he doesn't like girls because you know he might be gay or whatever or is it just no he's just that kid that's a late bloomer he's still not interested in girls yeah he just wants to play D and ride the bikes and all that kind of stuff so. he also might be a little way, emotionally yeah. stunted from some childhood traumas i mean also, yeah. He, yeah he missed out, exactly. he missed out on like all these these great adventures that galvanized these friendships that are like all, all playing out around him and he's he's still the odd person out and like nobody wants to play D. who's watching stranger things by the way and gets happy when they put D away in a box that was like the, the whole audience is there like yeah let's like do it man play the D. Yeah. I mean, that was the opening scene of the whole fucking show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it broke my heart Indeed. constantly when the, the D&D stuff went, went sideways. It was so sad. Yeah. They're a party, man. That's what it's all about. <laughs> you know, I blame the fucking Maxine with her Zoomer bullshit and telling <laughs> Eleven all that shit. That's her fault. See, yeah. the, Max, the Max character as well, that puzzles me. Like, is it just a case that they just wanted another girl in the show? Because yeah. I remember bringing it up uh, on the last the point, episode. Yeah. The last episode we did, we brought it up and said, like, they introduced her as just kind of this, like, she was in the middle of Dustin and Lucas kind of thing, and then they're, they're little, like, um, arguments that Dustin and Lucas. Yeah, Dustin and Lucas would kind of resent each other for a bit of the half of the season, all that kind of thing. And then, but then she didn't really play any, apart from being, like, Billy's sister or stepsister, she didn't really sort of play any part in the story other than kind of like being there and being another character, which is fine. But I thought like, oh, they're going to really sort of build on the whole like Billy Max relationship for season three, because like, like Tim said, you know, Billy's probably going to be the, the chief villain and all this kind of stuff, which they sort of did. But then they didn't sort of really 
do anything with it. It was just Max kind of knows what Billy does. Like he goes here and he likes to do this and he takes girls here and they go there and that's sort of how they can find him and stuff. But there wasn't really much of a connection there. No, I, I disagree. I think I think Max played a more important role than anybody's kind of realizing yeah. here because because her Correct. along with Mike, they're they're the ones who who kind of deliver this experience to Eleven. And Max especially like like she's really scared because she doesn't want Billy to die. Like he's been an abusive piece of shit to her uh, but he's still he's still her brother, and and she you know she doesn't want him to to melt into goo and become part of the mind flayer. But but this is this becomes important later on because when Eleven loses all of her powers, the only thing she's got is is you know being built on this humanity that she's found this like as she's been able to grow from like an experiment and a weapon into like a, a fully formed person like she's able to get through to billy in a way that she wouldn't have been able to had had she not had max as a friend and had she not had mike as a friend yeah and max really is the one like you would have 11's like personality would have at that point been defined solely by mike and the boys and kind of those interactions and her relationship with mike it was max who was able to get her out of that and let her start building her own way that wasn't so closely tied to that and get her out, you know, just doing the stuff at the mall and doing stuff with a female friend as opposed to the guys. Like she didn't become one of, it was able to break her apart from being one of the guys. And it also gave Max something to, somebody else to, a female to work with. It wasn't, they didn't have to be defined by what they were doing with the boys. Like, like, arcades yeah. and D and all that stuff yeah. it, it allowed them both to grow and then yeah at the end it came back with everything with billy that that set up for that so i don't think it needed to be that she needed to be you know a much bigger driving force with billy and, and a bigger significance there because what she, the role she played with 11 and, and getting that and, and even the the friction within the group with the boys you know because they because it was Max's relationship with Lucas that was kind of how Mike was judging his and they were using that. So it, it kind of provided some context and framing for the rest. So she didn't have like a, a nothing role there. No, she's yeah. a major, oh, and- no, she's a major thing here. Here's the thing just with 11 is this entire series to me, even though I said earlier, could be pinpointed to a different bunch of different characters is about 11. Right. So I feel like Max is important because 11 and Max are, that that's her first girlfriend, you know, it, it, in season two, we saw that develop from the point of jealousy where she thought that, that, you know, Max was, was in the way of between her and Mike. And then it comes to this point in season two where Max is there for her and they become friends. And, you know, we have some great moments that occur there. The, like I said earlier, the, the, I dump your ass thing is to me, one of the shining great moments of this entire series. But it's also very true about how the way girlfriends and people interact with each other. It's the way that, uh, you know, girls tell other girls how to treat their relationships and everything. They were they were really trying to paint a, a portrait there of Eleven learning to be human, you know. And, and Max is a big part of that because she taught her that making out with this dickhead in a fucking bedroom all the time isn't the greatest thing that you can do. There's other fun to be had. You can go to the mall and shop and fucking eat hot dogs on a stick and do all that shit. You can make fucking people's orange Julius blow up in their face. It's hilarious. It's awesome. Good times. So like, I think that Max, you know, had that role. And again, if, if this show is about 11 and her, 
development from time as experiment to being an actual human being, then, you know, Max is a big part of that. Well, absolutely. And that whole Max storyline gave us an opportunity to explore that other uh, 80s trope, the trying on clothes montage, which yes, otherwise yes. never could have happened. We needed that. Yeah. Well, speaking of the mall, uh, the Battle of Starcourt Mall that happens in the last episode, uh, Daryl, was yeah. it was it too much of a, like, oh, look at this metaphor for 80s consumerism and the sort of similar happenings that are going on today, or was it just well, a good I mean, way to set it in the mall? I mean, yes, it's a reference to, you could talk about Dawn of the Dead taking place in the mall. You could talk about the yeah. Blues Brothers having the car chase through the mall and all that really i like i i saw elements of both of those in a lot of that but it 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 kind of fit you know all and and it gave the story a way to centralize in a location where it fit absolutely everything even little things like we could escape through the gap you know like <laughs> like that, that little that little pun <laughs> you know uh, and just to see, you know, hot dog on a stick in the background and the Burger King and, and as Derek said, the Orange Julius. And, oh, and one thing I saw in a video on YouTube, you realize that the girl who uh, whose Orange Julius exploded is the same girl who turned Dustin down at the snowball the previous season? Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Fuck that bitch. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was Stacy. Fuck Stacy. <laughs> Funny thing is, they were in clothes that were supposedly from the Gap, but they're Levi's. Hey. They're all by Levi's. Oh, it was all a branded like, thing for Stranger Things. Huh. Uh, yeah. That's all right. It's set, that. in, it's set in 1985, and Dustin has Ultra Magnus. That didn't happen. Oh, <laughs> well, and did he, Vols, got a, he got a prototype. Did, did malls have a food court back then? Would they have had an area and been like, because I remember in the 80s, the mall restaurants all being standalone, and then later on, they moved them all upstairs to a food court at my mall. Yeah, but they uh, were centrally located. They were all kind of together. Mm. Cookie stand is not part of the food court. Cookie stand oh. is not part of the food court. <laughs> There's the what, Kevin's What <laughs> I got one other thing. One other mild anachronism is <laughs> you realize that uh, the movie that they went to early on was Day of the Dead, which I was reading actually came out a few months after July 4th of that year. Um, but it was in sneak previews. Okay, which leaves the question, why would Hawkins, Indiana be a source or a place that the studio would decide to give a sneak preview for this movie, my theory is the government is in on it to try to distract the people from all the kinky shit that's going on in Hawkins. <laughs> and that's why the whole town is ignorant of all of this shit that's going on, and that they can believe that, oh, it's just a tragic fire that happened at the mall. There's not some interdimensional monster that's going to attack us. Oh, let's go see this movie. I just looked up Back to the Future as well, yeah. and its release date was July 3, 1985. So oh, yeah. perfect. It was they're on point with that. No. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. It ended on July 4th of 85. There was another movie that was on the screener while they went for the Day of the Dead. Uh, what is it called? The Stuff? Oh, yeah. We just found that out. And that movie is about this blob thing that people eat. 
and they ah. couldn't get enough of. And it's a movie from the 1985, mm-hmm. and they just eat it and eat it and eat it and get obsessed with it because they can't gain weight and stuff. And but it's actually some sort of like parasitic monster that they've been eating. And it yeah. controls their minds and stuff. So ah, that was a really interesting thing. Nice callback. Well. Nice callback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, also, I, I also love the fact that I found uh, on online that apparently one of my favorite movies of all time, which is the 1992 River Phoenix classic Sneakers, uh, when mm. Dustin when Dustin and Robin are going over the blueprints, it's a uh, almost word for word recreation of a blueprint scene from the movie Sneakers, which seemed wow. unnecessary but is also awesome. And then when <laughs> like someone posted a video of the two scenes like next to each other playing out like at the same time, and yeah, it's it's word for word. It's great, and it seems unnecessary, wow. but again, it's one of those things that the Duffer Brothers do. I don't know for their own personal enjoyment, but who gives a fuck because it's awesome. And there's so much of this stuff in the series that like, it, it's just this, it's this treasure trove in a way uh, that, that ready player one would never be ready player. One's so obvious. It hits you over the head. <laughs> so much with it, right. But you know, this, this series just does such a job, a good job of, of putting so much of this into the series in a clever way. Like, yeah, it's there, but you kind of have to find it, know what you're talking about in order to, to see it there's so many references like some depending on what you yourself are into or like or is your favorite thing you'll something will jump out see like i didn't get the sneakers thing derek but like when hopper said you know i can do whatever i like i'm the chief of police like that jumped yeah. out at me because of jaws obviously. the jaws so, right yeah, yeah so whereas you know different but that's what's good about the show is like I've, I'm sure I've missed like 50 different references to other things. You know what I mean? Like, but and someone else has got them and, and and stuff like that. Because depending on what you liked at that time and what your favorite movies are, it's gonna different things will jump out at you. So, but uh, we got we got Paul Reiser to the rescue once again. Um, God bless. That was a nice touch, I think, just to sort of bring him back. Like, like Brian, they didn't bring back eight, but at least we got Paul Reiser for for two minutes. Paul Paul Reiser has never had that alien. Aliens heel turn that we were expecting. Yeah, we're not expecting, but yeah. that you're so worried about. Anytime you see Paul Reiser being nice, yeah. you know, like like how he murdered Helen Hunt in the final episode of Mad About You. Did you guys see that one? It's what Paul I Reiser want her in the next season. <laughs> oh yeah, she's got to turn up in season four. I'm probably not the I only one who gets and the theme song mad about you stuck in my head for days every time I see Paul Reiser. You are the only one. Yeah, no, I'm not the only one. <laughs> but yeah, once again, though, it's a, it's a bad show to be on if you have a B name, like we said before. Bob, yep. Bob, Billy. Uh, Billy's backstory, though, with his mother leaving his leaving because his father was abusive and, like, Billy blaming himself for that. Like, I thought that was some good stuff. And, like, I almost then wondered, like, oh, are they wasting Billy by killing him, no pun intended, by killing him too early? And, like, does this mean he could have been, like, an even more amazing character if we delved into his development a little bit more? But then it, it, it probably would be a little bit too close to, like, the Steve Redemption stuff. But... Like, from what I can tell, Steve didn't really have a reason or an origin for being, like, a, a quote-unquote a villain. He was just, like, a popular high school dickhead. Um, but, and then, you know, events changed him and stuff like that, whereas, like, Billy does seem to have that sort of almost comic book style of, like, 
well, he had a bad childhood. That's why he's an asshole. And then become a villain and that kind of thing. So, I don't know. Um, do you think yay or nay for killing off Billy? Um, yay. I, I think nay. Yay. They had to. They had to. Yeah. It's, I think what you said is exactly it. I mean, honestly, they they do so many good story arcs in this in the show. And I, I don't know if there's anything more to explore with Billy. I felt like Eleven went through his mind and told his whole past with that like trip through his memories. Right. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if there was, there was anything more to dive into. I mean, he redeemed himself at the end by stepping in and doing what he could to save. A- Hello. I really think that he, he did have the redemption. Derek, you're cutting out. Story so is jump in. <laughs> a little bit happier in the end, you know? Oh, we apologize yeah. for the internet connection at the peanut butter palace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little on our kid. I've I've seen theories that uh, online that that Billy's like Hopper and he's not dead either, but I don't I don't buy it. I don't know nah. no, how they get around that. Yeah, he's, he's dead. Yeah. Somebody has to be dead. He the body. He didn't play the Peter Gabriel song. He's still dead. <laughs> yeah, Hopper. How, I think how many fine piercing tentacles can you take? He had like at least seven in him. Tentacles can you take? Look, the the women on my computer can take so many. <laughs> tentacle porn with Billy. <laughs> Rule thirty-four. It, it exists. Oh God, I don't want to. How come Daryl hasn't been on the show for so long? I <laughs> Big research project on Rule Thirty-four. This podcast is probably what got Skype banned in Dubai. Yeah, it's possible. Shirt <laughs> UNT banned in the UAE. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Jared, did you have something on Billy that you wanted to say? Yeah, no, I don't remember what it was. No, all right, he's dead. <laughs> I lost the moment. Okay. So, something Red about Power Rangers. Yeah, something about Power Rangers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Hopper is, like we said, Billy's dead. Hopper is seemingly killed, although we all call bullshit on that. Whether he's the American in the in the cell, or whether he's in the Upside Down, or something else entirely. Upside Down. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, but then Joyce leaves town with Will and Jonathan and Eleven. Um, I don't know, Tim. Bit of an Empire Strikes Back ending, is it for you? Like, oh, it's sort of happy, but not really. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It, it had it had more of a finality to it. Uh, than, than Empire Strikes Back because we don't we don't have a whole lot of of unresolved plot threads kind of stringing us along. I mean, sure, there's you know there's what's going on with the Russians, um, what really happened to Hopper, uh, you know, if it, because so many of us have to assume that he's still alive. But it, it's not like the Empire Strikes Back where it's clearly not really an ending, you know. Yeah, yeah. if they ended it after season three, I think that would that that would be a sufficient story told until we got the stinger after the mid credits. We, we really, we really didn't have anything else to kind of wait for. Yeah. Uh, I also don't understand why Jonathan left. Like he's there like crying with Nancy, like, Oh, I gotta go. And it's like, yeah, he's, he's an adult. He could just, yeah, he he, just stay there. Yeah. Yeah. He probably, I mean, well, I don't know. I guess, I guess maybe there's no newspaper in town anymore. Where's he going to work? 
He got fired. Remember? He got, well, he got he got fired, but but I mean, all those and guys, all and, the guys who fired him, all those dead. guys, yeah. they're all gel now. Yeah, they're all mush. They're all goo. I think there's something to do where he feels responsible for Will. Or is it, well, somebody's got to put this, this whole this whole season like Jonathan really hasn't done shit for his family. He's just been running around like like uh, you know giving Nancy and shit. Maybe he should have. He should have. He should have been there for his family. So now Joyce, he's make it right. Joyce could have used some help with the magnets. It's the <laughs> magnets. Too. It's all the fucking magnets. Yeah, could have could been like, oh, Will, is your neck cold? Let me get you a scarf, buddy. Like, you know, be a good brother. Be, be good at something, Jonathan, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, he can make photos. Yeah, yeah. Nancy's not ruining the exposure. Well, apparently, <laughs> apparently... Why won't she knock? All she has to do is knock. It's a fucking dark room for Pete's sake. I, I saw a story today that people on, people on the internet don't know what Jonathan is doing, what that is. They've never, no. seen, a, never seen a dark room. Fuck don't those know. people. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that's shit. All right. Well, where do we go from here? Are we we're obviously getting a fourth season. Uh, I I hope they somehow work it out so that we get a fifth as well because like I don't know. Four seems like an odd thing to me. Like five seems like a good round number for a, a TV show. Um, Six seasons and a movie. No, yeah. don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. We, we, I don't want them to go farther than they need to go, and that's the biggest problem with anything that's successful is extending it farther than your storytelling will allow you to go. Don't don't become okay. lost. Don't become other shows like that because that's the biggest problem with this show. They they do have a lot of characters and things that that they've created here, and it could easily extend into multiple more seasons, but I think that's kind of a trap. Everything changes. Although it is a Netflix too. show. It's a it's a Netflix show, which means it's going to be killed after three seasons. No, no. <laughs> unless you have Jane Fonda, unless you have Jane Fonda in the show, it's going to be killed after three seasons. No, <laughs> I, I think this one. I, the the Duffers aren't sure what they're going to do. They're they're debating between um, going for season like I, one of them said four seems too short, five seems too long. So I wouldn't be shocked if yeah, we got like a. a, a maybe a, a 16 episode split for season mm. something sure. like that yeah. as opposed to doing you know a, a 10 mm. episode two 10 episode seasons or 10 and an 8 they just say we've well, got it's only it's only 8 at the moment season yeah, 2 was 9 episodes but yeah. 1 and 3 were 8 so well, yeah, if well, they did like for some reason, 12 or something that would yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe push a little longer, you know, that maybe 14 or whatever it is to not sure. to not push too far. And I think they're really paying attention to the idea of we don't want to go too long. We don't want to leave fans wanting too much more. So and, and they said they're trying to find that balance. So we could see a season that's that's a little different lengths or split up or something like that. Maybe a couple longer episodes in there. Kind of like what we saw with this season with the final episode being as long as it was, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I like the final episode, but I did feel, and I don't know if anybody else feels this way, I feel like I like the rest of the season more than the conclusion. Like, once we came to that final episode, especially once we came to the finality of essentially just closing the gate and turning the machine off being what ends the Mind Flayer, like, 
I don't know. I felt really frustrated with that entire thing. I felt frustrated with Billy's death because I was like, God damn it, can you guys close it two seconds earlier? So I don't know. Maybe well, that's that's maybe given that's the cut earlier, it would have been fun. Yeah, Yeah. right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Goddamn never ending story song, which brings me back <laughs> to that question with that bullshit. Look, right? They only went up to the four, uh, first chorus, dude. First chorus. That wasn't the whole song. No, I don't care. I don't care how sweet and great you think the song is. We didn't need to hear it. No, it was that was an incredible moment. There's, oh, I, yeah, all of it so much. It <laughs> broke up the tension, and Hopper's reaction in that scene was really great because oh, no. he was like, "What the fuck?" Yes. Yeah, it's like more of this shit. Like I hate these fucking kids. Like, <laughs> I can't believe. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm with Fred Feldman. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know what? I'm going to pull a Derek and just say, fuck Susie. Doesn't she understand? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> he said he's trying to save the world several he's, times. Like, I thought he made that a bug. It's urgent. <laughs> yeah. She fucking ruined everything. Susie <laughs> has me. okay. She's a human being. <laughs> just saying, Billy, just give me plenty of <laughs> All right. Well, we normally, I, when we wrap up, we don't normally do winners of the week on this show but for the stranger things ones we do because we we give our winner of the week or our strangest thing so who was your strangest thing or the best part of the season this season jared i love dustin this season i i think he might have been my pick the last two seasons too but i thought this one was great i thought that you don't have a real girlfriend storyline was really fun and the way they played it off. She kind of looked like Phoebe Cates, right? Like a little? No. Well, I, 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 <laughs> I, I definitely don't think his line looks like Phoebe Cates, only hotter. Like, that was a little bit of a stretch. It's like, okay, don't, don't, don't overstate it. You start to sound, you know, you're not believable. You just got to go, she, she's kind of a little like Phoebe Cates. Would, yeah. would, would, be, would have been fine. When you go hotter than... She's a 12-year-old version of Phoebe Cates. Yeah. I mean, Steve, Steve believes it. <laughs> <Steve, laughs> Steve's if you're Jeffrey Epstein, add belief in him. Oh, right. Daryl, no. <laughs> if, you're, if you're Jeffrey Epstein, she's BB Cates, but not. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh. Oh. oh, my God. I'm done. There goes that Skype connection. Somehow Germany has banned Skype as well. Shut up. Um, okay, my strangest thing. Uh, well, I mean, all the normal folks are probably going to get taken, so I'll go off the beaten path and just say I, I really like Robin um, because, I mean, I mean, look at her. But also, she was really fun, and and I love the shit that she gave Steve. I think she was a, a welcome addition, um, and yeah, it, it it was fun. She was she was cool. And her revelation at the end totally fit. Now, if they set the next season in 1989 or something, there'll be when the release of Tim Burton's Batman, you can have all the Batman and Robin jokes. <laughs> it could be the new Poison Ivy. Although, that, that came away. Yeah, oh, of course she'd be Robin. Yes, she'd be, she, she is. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Jesus. Tim, Tim, who you got? Oh, man, I don't know if I've given it to her before, but... But eleven takes it this time. Like she's. You want to rephrase that, Tim, so I can edit that. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I have a bestowed upon it, her this it, honor. He, he didn't uh, quite hit the minimum three inches. 
Oh, <laughs> wow. Just we're closing the gate. Closing the gate. Giving giving me shit. <laughs> um yeah. <laughs> Eleven for all the reasons I said earlier. Uh, well, it's it's. I, I think she she wins because she didn't insist on everybody calling her. If if she if she had been if she had been like everybody has to call me Jane now, I'd be like fuck this show. I'm out. I'm not gonna sit around and watch some girl named Jane have superpowers. Nope. Um, but yeah, but 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 her being able to be able to you know get the job done when her when her powers failed, I think that that was pretty cool and. Uh, you know her her evolution as a as a character uh, really, um, you know, continues to be a driving force in the show. Nice, uh, Derek. I'm gonna go with Steve the Hair Harrington. Woo! Because what yeah. a hero that guy is. And uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Part of it is because I'm a chubby little kid that had a cousin who befriended him that reminds him of this. But I think it's also because of Harrington just coming through to be the hero that he is, right? And like we said earlier, the redemption story that he has from season one to the point now where even in this season, he was still kind of doing things for the wrong reason. You know, he was still kind of being a douchebag. He wanted to crack the Russian code so that he could be an American hero and all of that, you know, but still at the end of the day, he ended up being a really good dude. And I think that's the part that was cool to see from beginning to end. I thought, just overall, he was a great character. Like, I don't know, there's something about him that I put up there with some of the best characters, uh, like, in, in fiction like this that I've ever seen. He just, he, he to me, is uh, very, very 80s, right? He's every role Harrison Ford played. You know, he's, he's that kind of guy. He's, he's the guy that's slightly unlikable until he ends up being, like, the true hero in the end. And I, I just... Couldn't get enough of them. He's regarding Henry. <laughs> <laughs> he's a real prick. He gets hit on the head and then he's a nice dude. Yep. Yeah, can't read. <laughs> <laughs> right, Foz, who you got? Oh, I'm going to go with Gelman. What's his name? Murray. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was great because, you know, his friendship – his bromance with Alexi was great, and I thought Alexi was great as well. And, you know, how he calls out in season two, he calls out, you know, Nancy and Jonathan for, you know, just playing the, like, you know, the game and everything. And then with Hopper and Joyce, it, he was like a love guru or something. So I, I just like the dynamic he had in the with the characters and especially when they called him the bald eagle i just love that <laughs> and and brett gelman is one of the funniest motherfuckers on earth oh yeah so good, yeah. So good. that moment yeah. with, with alexi where he tells him like i told them they should have sex and he was like they haven't had sex yet and then they both just <laughs> yeah, that was fantastic so great uh and brian that leaves you i think Look, i think we've got everyone else i know there's kind of a moratorium on it, but I think he was really great this season, so uh, I'm going to go with Randy Orton. I hear voices in my head. No, but but for but for reals, I suppose I suppose it's uh, it's Billy for being an awful human being and somehow still somewhat redeemable. I don't need yeah, big discussion. Well, That's what I go for. 
and, and he, with Billy he is as well. the one who had the he's the one who had the Phoebe Cates shot of him walking by a pool looking all hot. Yeah, <laughs> and and I'll be honest, I'm a little jealous of that sweet trans of him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the I, when I saw that car, I was like, oh, Brian is all over that thing. <laughs> yeah, I love me a trans <laughs> amp. <laughs> yeah, I'd go with Billy as well, just because it might be the last. Uh, well, he's probably not going to be in the next season, so why not? Well, maybe and, maybe and they'll yeah. cast another Australian for season four. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it'll be you. <laughs> yeah. Paul Hogan will turn up. He's the '80s reference. Yeah, yeah. Yahoo That's series nice. prop him up in the corner. Yeah, <laughs> could be fine. But that's not enough. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, until then, I think that's a good place to leave it for our uh, Stranger Things three review. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter. The show is at Unfunny End Tangent. I'm at Greg T13. Jared is at SuperJew75. Tim is at Tim Agni and attackofthedad.com. Derek is at Cap underscore Caveman with a K. Daryl is at Zazenplop. Foz is at Havoxmain. Brian is, of course, at Guitar Salad. Uh, but all roads lead to at the Steel Cage and unfunnynerdtangent.com, where if you want to hear our past thoughts on Stranger Things, uh, season one we covered in episode five and season two was episode 33 uh derek and tim what's happening on dates <laughs> well we um we ate, the last episode yeah we, we ate some uss butterscotch it turns yes, out we did. um edward we it turns out it's very hard to record inside of a basket robbins because there's a yeah, we got drowned home. we got drowned out by the freezers basically is what we're trying to say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what flavors did you guys try all of them uss all butterscotch um, you, you were like, uh, yeah, we, we, Lucas's it was, sister. It's that it's that Sunday that uh, that Steve actually brings out to Erica the uh, the USS oh. Butterscotch Sunday. Oh, yeah. So the only the only Stranger Things themed uh, ice cream in that was USS Butterscotch, though, right? In, well, in in, in, that, in that Sunday, yeah. But there was also Eleven's Heaven, which had like waffle flavored and waffle cone bits, and there was another one called Upside Down Praline. I yeah. texted Tim at like two o'clock in the morning. I want to go back. We're going to redo it. Don't worry. We're going to try. We're going to figure it out. We might just have you listen nice. to this garbage audio that we have. We, I think you should make people listen to it because it's my only guest appearance. That's, That's why true. I don't want people to hear it because he doesn't deserve to be on it. And it's his fault. It was so bad. I'm the reason it was <laughs> good. It's the audio is straight. He did a terrible job of it, but we still did other snacks that you can listen to. Uh, jerky and other things check those out and look for our stranger things <laughs> podcast one way or another either we're redoing it or we're going to put the crap audio up one way or another you're going to hear it nice well then yeah so look for that because uh yeah a bit of synergy there with the uh with the shows <laughs> but uh, yeah, in the meantime head to the steel cage shop.com where you can find mon milfmer of course she is the queen of soft style and the best shirt that you can find uh as well as all of the other steel cage network t-shirts including the newest one which is Derek's favorite so yeah the assistant (laughs) to the champion t-shirt fuck you Jared you piece of shit (laughs) all right well that's it for episode 81 of unfunny nerd tangent uh thanks to Derek and Brian and Foz and Daryl for joining us but as always my name is Greg and for Jared and Tim thanks so much for listening and remember kids Rhymes that keep their secrets will unfold behind the clouds. And there, upon a rainbow, is the answer to a never-ending story. Yeah.
you don't mind. For the sake of your poor old dad, keep the door open three inches. One funny nerd tangent. Yes. Never ending story. It's all your fault. (laughs) (laughs) You made us do it. (laughs) Guess what? I just recorded it too. Well, nice. Oh, (laughs) nice.